Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 1st of June, 2016. I'm Benjamin Riley. I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and over the next two episodes, we're doing something a bit different. Today is part one of a two-part episode talking about queer role models and what queer politics actually is. We've tried to make sure the two episodes can be listened to separately and they'll still make sense. Um, so if you happen to tune in on the next one or, or, or can't make the next one, um, but they're also very much two sides of one overarching topic. These topics stem from an article that appeared in the Australian newspaper The Daily Telegraph by Catherine or Kate McGregor. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes. For those of you who don't know Kate McGregor, uh, who Kate McGregor is, uh, she's a high-profile transgendered woman in Australia. Uh, McGregor has a distinguished career in the army and as a cricket commentator and came out tra as trans publicly about five years ago. Uh, it's worth saying, too, that she's no longer in the army. She retired, I think, about six months ago. The article from McGregor is, uh, Tom Holland kind of says it all in the title, I am transgender and I oppose safe schools. Uh, we've spoken a bit about safe schools in the past, but just to recap, it's a government-funded anti-bullying program targeted at stopping homophobia and transphobia in Australian primary and high schools. In her article, McGregor publicly spoke about her opposition to the Safe Schools program. Uh, she stated, and I'm quoting now, I do not support the Safe Schools program as the best way to support trans kids. I had been asked to be an ambassador for the program and had initially agreed. But when I learned more about the political leanings of Ros Ward, whose role in Safe Schools is pivotal, I could not countenance, countenance it. She is a committed Trotskyite who believes in the overthrow of the capitalist system and has expressed her contempt for the Australian Defence Force, to which I belonged for nearly four decades. This argument, uh, and sorry, now I'm not in quotes, uh, this argument that Safe Schools is a Marxist re-education program has been one of the major criticisms of it, uh, uh, which has made it a sort of pivotal issue for the Australian right in recent months. McGregor's position has upset a lot of people in LGBTIQ communities. Uh, she's probably the most high-profile trans person uh, in the country and has in many ways taken, uh, taken on the unofficial mantle of trans spokesperson. Needless to say, her views on safe schools differ from the vast majority in our communities who've rallied behind the program. It's also worth adding that since this article was published, uh, a number of trans activists have come out and said that McGregor has privately held some of the views that she expresses in the article for a long time. Uh, this got Ben and I thinking about how do we define our queer role models and what happens when they express views that are so strongly different from big chunks of our community. Should they now be rejected or should we accept such diversity in our views? 
so let's begin. Um, ben, what did you make of McGregor's comments? There's there's kind of a bit to unpack here. Uh, a lot of the it, it's funny reading over it. I mean, this article was published a couple of weeks ago now, and and reading over it again uh, before we started recording, I had forgotten how little of it actually talks about safe schools, despite it being the hook for the article. Um, and it it makes this discussion tricky in some ways because a lot of what she talks about in the article is uh, touches on what is and has been for a long time a very contentious um, area of debate within trans communities about the uh, kind of medicalization of trans identities. Basically, she very much uh, uh, subscribes to a um, a medical model, um, talks about gender dysphoria as a as a medical condition, and um, thinks about it that way and, and her experience that way. Uh, and, and that's, um, at least as I understand it, not being a trans person, that's, that's uh, a kind of point of contention for a lot of people uh, within trans communities. So I don't really want to um, go into that too much, although I think it does inform um, the rest of the, uh, the rest of the article and, and the rest of the uh, debate. Um, so that's just kind of putting that on the table. What I Found, found really interesting about the article is that even though I have very different political leanings to Kate McGregor, I'm very much, um, you know, would probably could probably be accused of uh, being the the kind of person that she attacks in in the article, the kind of left wing person that she attacks in the articles. In some ways, I completely agree with part of what she's saying. Um, in saying, and I'm just going to uh, refer back to. A quote from the from the article. She says, uh, "I am more than my gender, and that portion of the left with which Ward uh, she's talking about Ros Ward there is aligned sickens me nearly as much as the ratbags of Reclaim Australia, which is a, a right wing um, group uh, that has some anti gay views, anti queer views." Um, I kind of admire that on some level, being able to say that uh, she should be able to be a conservative trans person and that by um having this kind of status as a high high profile trans person and and as as we said arguably a a spokesperson it shouldn't automatically put her in uh a category of of left wing and and clearly doesn't and and doesn't for a lot of people who would identify as being parts of lgbti communities so um i found that kind of interesting despite most of it not really agreeing with that particular point um, again, she, she doesn't go into great detail about what she, why she doesn't like safe schools. I mean, it, it's kind of, it's a little frustrating because she, what do you call it? I'm, I kind of was trying to remember the term before. I feel really dumb. What do you call it when like somebody attacks a person for their, um, the nature of their identity rather than their politics? It's like something. Oh God. I'm uh, sure. It's like a Latin term. Yeah. But, but what you're, what you're talking about is, is, you know, you're, her attacking Ros Ward for being a Trotskyite, not for the content of the the program that that Ros Ward has been involved in. Effectively. Yeah, totally. You know, and that's I mean, been so that's she's... been a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the attacks on safe school has been very much about oh look there you know she's a she's a a Marxist or a Trotskyite therefore it's evil automatically because this person developed it. Um, when I think you know you and I have had a, a brief conversations when you know I, I, the the content of safe schools is nowhere near that radical compared no. to what someone like Rose Ward would probably advocate in real life. And so there's kind of a, a like a bit of hypocrisy in that contradiction, basically to say, I can be trans and right-wing 
but then to kind of attack. Oh, I wish I could remember. It's really yeah, yeah, yeah. dumb. Um, but then to go and attack the program because she sees Rosward as a Trotsky. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a bit of a, a contradiction there. Uh, how about you, Simon? I mean, what did you yeah. do? You agree with me about that? That one specific point that I maybe agree with her on. Look, I think I do in terms of you know you can be transgender and right wing, and I think that. Uh, and and another great example of that is is Caitlyn Jenner, who mm. is is you know very well known for being a Republican uh, and remains in that position and and has said some some quite controversial things uh, since she transitioned um, around about about queer politics. Um, and you know, Caitlyn Jenner was coming out to support Ted Cruz uh, in his election campaign, which would be. Uh, uh, you know, would be most queers would could never consider such a thought, or well, lots of queers can consider such a thought. Um, and I think we'll we'll delve into this a little bit more, but I think it highlights, I guess, um, that uh, I've always been critical, a bit bit more critical of um, of Kate McGregor than I think a lot of people have been. And I think what's uh, surprised me has been the people who have been surprised by her her position on safe mm. schools. If you look at her history and you look at her role, um, you know that she's played for the past five years since she since she publicly came out. You know you shouldn't be surprised by this. Um, and there is a lot of assumption that simply because uh, she's transgendered um, and that she's a high profile transgender person that she will automatically support a program like this. Uh, and that's just not how it works. And the same same happened when um, Caitlyn Jenner spoke about not being particularly in favour of same-sex marriage, uh, which happened, I think, last year. A lot of people were really surprised by that. But if you look at the history, again, you know, a high-profile Republican, you know, it's not something you should be surprised by. Um, and it's sort of, I guess, and this is the way we maybe want to head, head down this path, is it? it opens up the question about whether someone being queer of some any form gay lesbian trans intersex bisexual whether that identity automatically puts them into the position of a role model um and you know for lots of people for lots of right-wing trans people um and i and you know we don't make we don't um <laughs> cover either of those um topic uh, those um identities i don't think either of you or i um, no. identify as either right-wing or trans um but for a lot of those people kate mcgregor might be the perfect idol but that doesn't mean that for their entire community um her being transgender automatically puts her in that sort of position. Um, and mm. that's what I think is interesting here. I know. And I mean, one of the kind of... Uh, I, think oh, I remember the term as well. It's ad hominem. Um, oh, there you go. Hominem. I was never going to get that. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It just came to me. Um, but not... Oh, God, this topic is tr- tricky because it, it's it's easy to... Um, it's, be- it's easy to basically do what... It's very easy to do what Kate McGregor did in the article. And even if you kind of do try to separate political identities from uh, kind of sexual or, or gender identities to just do the same thing, like according to someone's kind of political stripes. I was about to say, for example, that, you know, one um, big, you know, she, she was like a high profile um, army, like ranking army officer for like one, mm. like, you know, I, th- I think she was the speechwriter for, for the head of the army yep, for like yep, yep. years, you know, and it's, you know, armies are inherently very conservative institutions. Um, it's yeah, you know, this shouldn't surprise us, but that's again, as I said, not to kind of apply those same standards to her just because she's in the army that, that she would have those particular views. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's hard. The kind of role models thing, I thought a kind of interesting way for us to ease into this topic. And we, we sort of did uh, our first episode about this, talking about David Bowie, um, was to maybe talk about whether we have had personal experiences of, um, uh, I don't know, having, I guess, role models or idols who are particularly important to us in terms of sexuality. And then I was thinking particularly maybe being burned by them, being suddenly let down when you find out something about them that changes how you think about them. I mean, have you had that experience, Simon? Oh, I, off the top of my head, I don't think I have. I think, you know, when we, when we had that conversation about David Bowie, I spoke about how he was one of those, those idols for me, both in terms of his music and his art, but also in terms of his sexual sexuality and someone that I really connected with. Uh, and he didn't burn me um, as far as I'm aware. And I don't think he will, um, unfortunately, because he's, he's gone now. Um, but I can see that happening in other parts of, and, you know, and I think going back to this, this topic, I think that, you know, you would see people like Kate McGregor or, or Caitlyn Jenner, I think has actually burnt a lot of people who are really excited about that high profile person being, um, transgendered and then realizing, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And I've, and I've spoken to people who, who have been surprised and I've particularly about Caitlyn Jenner, uh, and have said, well, didn't you realize, you know, she's got a very long history of being very, very right-wing. And they're like, oh, I didn't even realise that. And people just assuming that because she's trans, that she'll automatically take all of these positions that that that, that queers are expected to have. Mm. Um, so I've seen, it, I've seen it for other people. I, I don't have any personal experience of it, I don't think. But what about you? Well, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, talking about that, uh, you having people say that they were surprised to find out she had a history of being right-wing. I mean, that it speaks to some extent to the, the danger of... Um, it's what happens when you put someone on a pedestal, you know, when you don't mm, engage mm. with a person as if they are a human being, which is very easy to do because we live in a culture that uh, encourages that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... Yeah, I'm trying to think of... I feel like I tend to be more inspired by people in my own life who I actually know... And have probably yeah. had experiences um, like that with people I know. But I just if I, the thing that just popped into my head was uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really ridiculous. Um, Bernie Sanders. Uh, now this is something that you've written about before. That your your um, who did you wrote an article for? It was for for Left Flank, the for... blog blog. I've logged some friends of mine run mm, about how uh, we shouldn't uh, hold him up as this kind of champion of, of left wing mm, mm. politics. And it's funny because I, I, I suppose I would be much more likely to have idols based on um, politics rather than sort of gender or sexuality. Although that's a kind of interesting topic that will, um, that will be coming back to the ability to distinguish those two things. And I remember yeah, yeah. like when Bernie Sanders sort of started being, being a thing and I'm not a big I don't know. I honestly find people's Australians' obsession with the minutiae of uh, American politics a bit kind of gross, um, but it's it's impossible not to um, follow it to some degree. And I remember sort of being aware of him, and even just his label as a um, a, a self affirmed socialist, and being kind of quite excited by that. Mm-hmm. And his campaign has it didn't take long to be disabused of those. Um, illusions and his campaign in particular has become something very different over the over the um uh over the past few months uh so i mean i i guess 
I guess maybe that's sort of an example for me, and it, it's it's illustrative maybe because in my early in the early moments of me finding him interesting and compelling, I really didn't know much about him, and maybe wasn't yep. engaging with him as a um, as a person. Well, it's an interesting one actually, and maybe maybe we can go down this rabbit hole a little bit. But I think that the argument that I was making about Bernie Sanders was that uh, he will, in my in my view, inevitably inevitably uh, disappoint us. And I think you know, hearing what you were saying, uh, I think his campaign has has gone down that path of becoming quite disappointing in in the way it the way it has operated. Uh, and part of that process is. Um, what I've seen with Bernie Sanders, and I think you could see this with other people, is people who, because they're focused on that individual, that they're focused on that role model, that person, who, that that leader, almost. Um, there, there's been a lot of cues taken from him, and instead of being disappointed like yourself, and but a lot, of, uh, you know, and sort of disconnecting from him and going, oh, actually, maybe not as good as I thought. I think a lot of people have become as. Uh, as, as difficult as he has become. And I think, you know, we're, we're t- I'm talking here, I think that, you know, the, my problem with his campaign now is just how um, how destructive it's become. It's like, for example, crazy, crazy misogynist. Like, yeah, yeah. And often violently so. Yeah, yeah, and that stuff. But what you've got is a whole bunch of people who are defending that because they've picked him as their role model. Uh, and, you know, and taking back this back to sort of a queer politics perspective, you have the fear of people... Um, defending um, new ideas or ideas that are far more conservative um, that we wouldn't agree with because they see someone because someone's an LGBT you know an LGBT um, QI person um, they're someone who is um, queer so therefore you know that there's there's a level of I guess uh, forgiving them for those for those things or even jumping on the bandwagon of those prob- of those of those problematic issues mm. uh, and I think that's what's happened with Bernie Sanders you've got a whole bunch of people who are excusing a bunch of misogyny for example um, because it's Bernie Sanders campaign and obviously that can't be as bad as if it was you know Donald Trump's campaign Um and and that is a threat that we could that you can see in a in a sexuality perspective as well. So tricky because I feel like to some degree you and I are like it feels like we're this, these sort of um, confused anthropologists, you know, like sitting here and going like, why are people behaving this way? And I mean that uh, I suppose I I'm trying to be critical of that because this stuff is just super important to people, and I mm. as much as I am critical of it because I don't naturally have those sorts of responses to people. I really genuinely want to understand what's going through people's heads. And I suppose in the case of queer role models and queer idols, people, a lot of people clearly really feel like they need that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually an interesting thing to, to build on. Uh, and it's something that um, you hear a lot about, you know, maybe maybe I think in, in the area of sport, you know, I'm a bit of a follower of sport and a lot of people um, talk about the need for. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. More, um, more sports people to come out as gay, particularly in, in male-dominated sports mm. where, it's, where it's still very, very few in sports like rugby or AFL and the need for there to be these gay role, role models. And, you know, is, is, that, uh, is there something really important about having high-profile people, no matter what their politics are, is there something really important about them being out and talking about their about their sexuality and re- and representing a diversity of views and a diversity of 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 character, I guess, um, across a different a broad spectrum? Is that important to to a gay community? Do what do you think? Uh, well, again, this is so tricky because it, it's clearly important to a lot of people, and it's not important to me, or at least I don't think it is. Uh, and I don't was know... it ever important to you? Do you know? <sighs> I, I, I mean, not that I can remember. I think if I think about the people, it's such a like kind of Oprah way to put it, but if I think about the people who inspire me, Simon, mm-hmm. um, they're almost inevitably people in my life. Um, not necessarily, you know, really close friends or family members, although, you know, that too, but, you know, maybe... Uh, activists in the queer community whose work I really respect. Um, so I get, yeah. I get, I guess so. I mean, I guess on that level, I think, I think maybe there's a there's a distinction. Um, I'm just thinking about about the first time I I came out to my to my family uh, or to my parents in particular um, about being 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 gay. And how, one of the, how old were you? In, I think I was 16, maybe 15. Um, and, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a while. So it's been something, it'd been something that had been on my brain for a while. Like it's, you know, it was going to happen eventually. Um, and I think, you know, if I look back and I remember, I remember very clearly watching a TV show where someone was interviewing, uh, Ian McKellen and he was talking about the process of coming out as gay, um, uh, him coming out as gay and, and how important that was to him and the way he did that. And there was a little nudge in my brain when that happened. Hmm. Some for some reason, some, something about that that nudged me in my brain. I can't remember exactly what. And it wasn't. It was very shortly after that that I came out. Um, but you know, that was one instance of someone who's very famous who had an impact on me. But in general, it's not the case. In general, it is the people. You know, when I did that, it, it became closer with 
people around me who were gay. I went to a support group in Canberra, you know, and those were the people who really inspired me to do other things, you know, inspired me to be a bit stronger and to, you know, I think it's, I think that there is a natural need, um, particularly for queer people who are struggling. I think it makes sense as a natural need to have people who, who are similar, who can provide support and inspiration and all of that sort of stuff when 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 required whether that needs to be a famous person i don't know and what mm. you know and obviously a lot of people have those famous queer people who really inspire them to do something um and you know and, and sports are a good example of this where people you know yearn for for more queer sports people so for for famous queer sports people so that youngest queer sports kids can feel confident that that's something that they can do Mm. um but maybe maybe and what i'm getting at here is that part of the the there's there's a real lack of focus on community um and you know we've talked briefly about what is a queer community but like a lack of focus on having queer people who are around you and we rely heavily on thinking you know we just need to have more famous queer people and then everything will be a bit better but actually maybe helping people get that sort of more of a community around them of people of friends and family and, and et cetera, who can, who are, who have been through these similar, similar experiences could actually have a bigger impact. And, you know, obviously I, I, I've worked in community organizations for, um, for years now. And it's certainly, it's certainly something I really believe in. I mean, I think the argument for the importance of those more kind of idle type, you know, well, celebrity role models, I guess, is is for. There are plenty of instances you can think of where um, you can't. People just don't have access to to that, and could never. I mean, I'm thinking about like, you know, queer kids growing up in in remote or rural mm-hmm. areas, and I just I just had the thought of an a, an experience that I have had actually that's a bit similar. It wasn't with a celebrity, but similar kind of thing around my um, anxiety. So I have quite I have quite um, quite bad anxiety and. Me too. Had and you know it's it's good that we're you know as as um, yeah, yeah, people yeah. who have a podcast and clearly that makes us celebrities. Um, I'm being sarcastic <laughs> uh, for us to be able to say that. Um, and I, it's something I had never really talked openly about, and I think in large part um, because I had never seen my what felt like a very specific experience reflected in other people talking about their experience of anxiety. And I had this, like, I, I had this, like, I don't know, um, epiphany, I guess, uh, maybe like nine months ago when I was at an event where somebody, it, it wasn't, I mean, the event was not about mental health. It wasn't about anxiety, but somebody happened to mention uh, her, um, that it was a, a conference and and she talked about how she struggled a bit with anxiety over the, the few days of the conference and that it was kind of, and she knows that a lot of people had had similar experiences and that it was important to acknowledge that. And I just like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, I, I would just never have imagined that the people around me had been going through something similar. And then I sort of started talking more to people around me about it and realized that other people had had that similar experience. So I guess I, I mean, I guess I have, Mm. I guess I have had that. I wonder, I, I wonder why not in the case of sexuality, but it's interesting because you know what what you're talking about there, and and I've had similar experiences of, um, I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to be better at talking about my anxiety, and so every now and then when I'm feeling it, I'll post on a social media thing, and you get a lot of people who will come back and say I've felt that or I understand that feeling, mm. 
and and that does make me feel better that that connection of having someone who has got a similar sort of feeling or is in a similar position is really valuable um and maybe maybe having uh people who are in those sort of high profile positions no matter what their political um perspective can be valuable uh just to see them um for you know people who don't have access to these sorts of support communities that you and i have been lucky enough to be able to access in different ways um you know and and, may, and maybe that is a valuable thing and maybe maybe we should ex, you know value that despite despite the problems that it can cause for example people you know in very high profile positions coming out against um programs that are designed to help you know stop bullying for example this is so funny i'm just trying not to laugh because i feel like we've just like the two of us have just like talked ourselves out of a position probably we i know i know (laughs) but i mean i think i think it's the first time we've done that to be fair (laughs) no that's true that's true um it's good to think i guess about where we started with this topic and and i guess about um uh that distinction between maybe queer identity and other sorts of politics that a person can hold. I mean, I guess this is, I guess it kind of brings us back to the point of, of at what point is a role model's queerness, for example, not enough anymore to, Mm. to be, for them to be that kind of inspiring person? Like, does, um, in the case of Kate McGregor, does her, do her views on safe school and safe schools and her politics generally kind of cancel out um, the, uh, what we get out of having her as a high profile trans woman in the media uh, in Australia? Oh, it's, it's a good question. And I think that, so for me, I, I, for me, I'd say probably yes, um, but I think that that would be very different to other people, obviously, depending on their views. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's the level of what... Um, uh, what it, it, uh, do, does she create other forms of damage? And I think that what uh, she did in this particular instance is that she gave a bunch of queer credibility to right-wing attacks on what I think is a relatively good program. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that, uh, you know, and the person that she has attacked, for example, Ros Ward, uh, has recently been forced to resign from the Safe Schools, yes. you know, um, group for a Facebook post. But, you know, those sorts of attacks build up. So that was that was from a, um, not from Safe Schools. She was, uh, sorry, they, um, get the pronoun right. Uh, they were forced to uh, resign from a uh, government advisory body. Oh, and my apologies if I used the wrong pronoun there. It was uh, so kind of related to the fact that they were um, involved in safe schools, but it was like technically a different. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, you know, those sorts of attacks build up, and I and I think that uh, you know that does cancel out a bunch of the positive stuff that Kate McGregor has done um, and been responsible for, uh, and that's 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 difficult but you know that my my perspective on that would be very difficult different to other people's perspectives on that and it kind of raises the the question um which is kind of a stupidly broad question of like what are political movements for you know like what Mm -hmm. like what is more important about the kind of feeling you know 
how can you rank the importance of those two different things that we just talked about cancelling each other out? I feel like there's a question that you have um, brought up um, uh, before about uh, that kind of puts this to the test in in some ways about um, you know we have a, a federal election in a month that's terrifying. I just yep, looked at yep. the date. Um, and, uh, you know, the question of, um, queer candidates comes up, uh, a lot. And I guess the, the central question is, does being queer or being gay mean that we should support somebody's candidacy in, in a political campaign or, or, or add more weight to their candidacy? It's kind of an example where we, you know, we are really putting this to the test, you know? Mm, yeah, and I think, you know, there's a couple of examples of that uh, in the election this year in the federal state of Brisbane, where uh, both the Liberal and the Labor Party candidates, um, so Conservative and Labor, are gay men. Um, in the state of Higgins in Victoria, uh, you have uh, gay male Labor and Greens candidates, so sort of more on the progressive side to gay men fighting it out. Uh, and... Uh, and and this goes into and maybe this is something we'll probably need to explore in a bigger in a in other in another podcast. Um, but it goes into a question of of is representation a valuable thing in and of itself? Does having uh, so uh, recently Australia elected um, their first um, the first gay man to the House of Representatives, our our lower house, uh, and um, he was from the Liberal Party, and people were celebrating that, and I was like, well, no, not not for me, like, you know, I I don't care that he's gay, he's still a conservative, and that doesn't suit my politics, and the representation of a gay person in conservative politics is not enough for me, um, and I'm not going to celebrate that sort of victory, in inverted commas. Other people who have, you know, who, who are more aligned to that political spectrum, go for it. Um, but, you know, is representation enough? Uh, I don't think so. And I don't think representation automatically means, benef- you know, beneficial things for LGBTIQ people. I just I just don't think it does because there are a whole bunch of other um, social and material factors that need to be accounted for. And, you know, in a political representation perspective, I, I think that we need to be thinking about that. There's a lot more that we need to do than just get gay people elected mm. to parliaments. I mean, and, and you know, I feel similarly about representation, and I, I constantly bemoan the uh, supremacy of rep- representational politics or symbolic politics um, in in queer politics overall. I don't think it's meaningless. I think, I yeah, I guess I just don't think it's as important as as those kind of other material things, and and sometimes you have to really. Um, go hard in the opposite direction to to um, get people thinking about that. I guess it's interesting about the. Uh, I wonder, like, how easy it is to compare, say, representation of queers on TV or in media generally with representation in political systems. The argument that's been made to me that I I don't agree with wholeheartedly, but I, I definitely find interesting is a very practical one that it's not about having having more queers in parliament in the major parties, so um, Labor and the Coalition in Australia, is not so much about... It's not for the people at home so much, or at least not directly. It's about the fact that the more queers you have behind the scenes in these parties, in party rooms, in caucuses, in, you know, cabinet, God forbid, uh, or shadow cabinet, the less comfortable people 
whether it's kind of hard right, sort of clearly homophobic people, or even people who might not really think about it either way, the less comfortable they will feel to bring up, um, well, to say homophobic stuff, basically, or to, like, pursue Mm -hmm. legislation that negatively impacts queer people. Now, obviously, that's tricky because, as you and I both know, most of the legislation that we would argue sort of negatively impacts queer people is not the stuff that's specifically about queer people. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But I think there's kind of something to that. And, and there are, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of referencing a conversation I had with someone, so so I, I don't really have all that much to back this up, unfortunately. But um, apparently there's kind of evidence of this around women in in um, caucuses and in, in party rooms that when you have over a certain... God, I'm. I'm just. Maybe this. I'm. This. Maybe this is bullshit. I'm, sounds like I'm quoting something. Just like take this with a grain of salt. Basically, you know, once you have over a certain proportion of of women in a in a party room, um, conservative conservative, particularly conservative men, are less likely to be pushing for issues like criminalizing abortion, um, like uh, I don't know, ver- various things that um, various issues that maternity leave is, is another example. Various issues mm, that women okay. benefit from uh, very materially. Uh, and I think there's something to that. Yeah. And that only works, but yeah, and there's, there's something to that, but that, you know, then you've got the question of what happens when you have high-profile conservative queers who are who are then advocating for the same positions as those people who, you know, and this comes us back to Kate McGregor, you know, it gives credence to those mm. right-wing arguments when you have someone like her making that position. Another person to think about in this is, you know, for example, you know, the, the famous leaks of the 2010 federal election in Australia about Julia Gillard, the, the woman, you know, raising serious questions about the maternity leave program at the, at the particular time um, because of its costs. And so uh, as a woman, she gave potential um, power to opposition to that particular program, um, and that's you know that's the, but maybe this is a whole other conversation we can have about representation that we should bring up one day, and it's been really um, good for us to to dive into that. Um, but you know maybe we'll take that onto an into on, on, off in another direction another day, and not even the direction um, that we have planned for the next episode. <laughs> I know not even the direction, totally different direction we're going to go for the next one. But we'll we'll we we'll might even build on build a third idea off this. Um, but at the moment, let's leave it at that. Uh, but as we said, this is just part one of a two-part series. Uh, and next week, we're going to build on today's discussion to ask a very very big question, uh, and maybe uh, like one that will make our whole podcast completely irrelevant. <laughs> uh, and that is the question of, is there any point to having an LGBTIQ movement or sort of more generally, um, you know, do our sexual and gender identities, are they enough to keep us together anymore? Or have we become so diverse that we can't keep together as a coalesced group? That is huge. And no doubt, uh, as has just happened, um, we'll have lots of kind of dangling threads to pick up in in even further future podcasts. But I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, In the meantime, you can catch us on uh, uh, queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, if you do that, please leave us a rating and a review. It um, it really helps people find us on the store. Uh, And you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Simon Copland. And I'm at Ben C. Riley. And that's all for today, and we'll see you next week. See you then. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.